Mark My Words shares Mark Homer's contrarian views on investing, business, finance, economics, and all things money. Mark interviews the world's most successful business, finance, and money experts, as well as imparting his knowledge in a factual, direct, and no-nonsense manner. Welcome to Mark My Words, and here is your host, Mark Homer. Hi, it's Rob Moore here, and I'm with my business partner, Mark Homer, and this is part two in our ongoing Monday 7 p.m. series of how to invest. How to invest 5,000, 10,000, 25,000, 50,000, 100,000, 250,000, 500,000, a million. And then the finale, how to invest or start investing with little or no money. Mark, do you realize we've been, um, we've known each other for more than 15 years now? 2005. Yeah, right. Yeah. 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 And it's 2021. Yeah. 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 Progressive will be 14 years old in January. Mm. Started in 07, didn't we? When I got yeah. us fired. <laughs> the end, end of 06. 06, we started. Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. We incorporated, yeah. I think, January mm. 07. So, yeah. So, um, look, you've been investing. You've been investing since a teenager, haven't you? I have. I've been investing since my sort of early teens, something like that, uh, buying all sorts of stuff and putting money away initially under a load of pebbles and stones outside and running a little bank. My <laughs> grandma used to leave money in. <laughs> I quite enjoyed that. Nice. Right. So on this particular episode, uh, we're going to discuss um, some guidelines, some guidance on how to best invest £10,000. Of course, you should do your own diligence and research. We're telling you our experience always do your own backup research. So um, 10,000 pounds, Mark, I know it's not a huge amount of money. Um, would you use that to invest in something passive or would you use that to start a business or might you use that to start building your property business with deal packaging or rent to rent or what? Well, I think this is down to the individual, how much time they want to put in and how quickly they want to grow it. I mean, clearly, you know, any small amount of money like this the quickest way to grow it, the biggest returns are going to be when you combine that money with your own sort of effort and, you know, blood, sweat and tears. And you you sort of crack on to, to, to create something yourself in terms of a business. Mm. Um, you know, for, for me, that might be rent to rent. That might be selling deals. Um, but it could also be investing with somebody else. Um, so that is clearly a, a more time intensive strategy. Um, I've got lots of stuff which would work for somebody who doesn't want to put a lot of time in and just wants to put some money where, uh, away and, and leave it. So it just depends on the individual, really. Yeah. All right, we'll cover both off. Um, so let's start with if you've got 10 grand and just want to put it away. So would you do ISA, stocks, watches, cars? Anything else? What, where would you go with that? Um, I think the the you know I'm bound to say the the most reliable is and sensible is probably to open your ISA and as we've discussed before, go and put it into um, tracker funds. You know the a, 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 a sort of portfolio of tracker funds that that goes into FTSE, goes into um, sort of overseas, um, and then maybe the US market spread. Um, if you want something a little bit more interesting, something that you can sort of touch, feel and enjoy, I'd go and buy a classic car. Um, and I think my favorite at this sort of price point would be a Mercedes-Benz SL. 
uh, I met a, a good friend on Friday evening and he reminded me that um, two, three years ago, we went to a hill climb uh, and this guy knows a lot about cars. Um, he restores old Ferraris. Um, he, he inspected the last two or three cars that we bought. He's yeah. fastidious. And, That's um, one word for it. Yeah. <laughs> you use other words, don't you? <laughs> yeah, but I enjoy it. Yeah. I, he... He went through the Ferrari when we we, we, we had a bit of trouble with it. Yeah, yeah. He, he found everything. Yeah. Um. So yeah, and we we were um we, we were out uh going. We went to a hill climb. We flew in in the helicopter and took a taxi. And we saw this Mercedes Benz R one two nine, which is an SL, um, and uh, it was an SL five hundred. Um, and he's gone and bought uh, an SL320 and he spent 10 grand on it. Mm. Uh, now, he's got quite a few classics uh, and he knows what he's doing. Uh, and I just think, you know, the Pagoda, which is the sort of 1960s 230, 250 or 280 SL, um, if you go a little bit earlier uh, and, you know, you, you're talking about a 300 SL, obviously they're a million, million euros now, um, gone up hugely. Um, if you go back to a 190 SL, which would be slightly before the Pagoda, um, you know, they're, they're into 150 grand now. So all of that stuff is a lot, lot more money. Mm. Um, and I just think that those R129s, they're still quite cheap, even, even sort of slightly before that. You know, you, if you were looking at the sort of Bobby Ewing with the, 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 the flat face alloy wheels there, um, you know, a nice one might be 30 or 40 grand. These are still cheap and they're completely solid. When you slam the door, they, they, they really thud. Um, and I just feel like they're going to go up. Mm. Um, I always like the stuff that isn't necessarily loved at the moment because I always feel like there's more room to yeah. appreciate. Yeah. Um, a bit like houses. Yeah. Everyone goes, oh, London, you know, everyone will always wants stuff in London. It'll never go down. Well, it has the last few yeah. years. And that's yeah. that's what happens when you buy the best. Premium. Yeah. Uh, when you buy premium, um, usually, um, you know, it, 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 um, it has a long way to drop. Yeah. So, yeah, I like those. The other thing um, that I was talking to him about, uh, and it reminded me of um, my experience, was a BMW M3 E46, which I had one. You probably remember it was a grey one. It was yeah, convertible. They're, they're ten grand. I racing you in my 350. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And uh, they were almost neck and neck, weren't they? they those were, two. Yeah, Your yeah. M3 just had it, didn't it? It was 344 brake horsepower, something like that. They're ten grand now, yeah. or 15 maybe for a nice one. It's a lot, of, a lot of car for that money. Yeah, I sold mine for 15 yeah. in 2008. Mm. Um, and they're about sort of 10, 15 now. Yeah. Um, I think they've probably started going up. Mm. Um, so I think that's got to be a good car. Yeah. yeah. Okay, um, we'll come back yeah. to this in a minute. Okay. just want to let everyone know who's watching live on either my LinkedIn or your Facebook page um, to subscribe to the Progressive Property YouTube channel, which is tiny.cc forward slash PPTV or capitals. Harry, could you type yeah. in that in the comments? So tiny.cc forward slash, no, tiny.cc. Yeah, forward slash, lowercase, and then PPTV capitals. There you go, just like that. Um, because we we said last week we wouldn't be streaming this anywhere else except the Progressive 
property YouTube channel. Um, although we've slipped out to a couple of uh, smaller channels of ours. But next week, 100%, this will only be exclusively streamed live on the Progressive Property channel. I can see as well we've got comments and questions coming in. We will take questions towards the end. Like David has said, does it have to be 10 grand? What about if it's 100 quid? Um, and someone, and you have to start somewhere. And someone else has said, if you had 40 grand, what would you do with it right now? So we'll probably address those a bit later on in the show. Um, so look, we'll come on to watches, stocks, property, business, etc. I want to add a couple of things. Um, I, Mark, as you know, you know me better than anyone, really. Um, I, I like to enjoy my money. Uh, and what you taught me was investing back in the day. But I've always found hardcore investing a bit boring. But what I don't find boring is investing something that I enjoy getting pleasure out of as well. Like I love watches, I love cars, um, I love property, I love business. And so I get that dual effect where I'm investing in either reducing um, depreciation or I'm getting appreciation. But it's something that I enjoy as well. Do you think it's important in the investment vehicles that you're in to have a bit of a passion for it? Do you think you'll be a better investor because of it? I think you definitely will be a better investor if you love what it is you're investing in. But, you know, you've, you've sort of got to love it up to a point. Um, and it depends where you are on your investment journey. In the early days, I used to try and do whatever just made me the most money because I didn't have any money. And so those early compounding returns, the difference between something good and something really good made a huge difference to um, how wealthy I thought I'd become in, you know, later on in life. So, um, you know, I'd focus on that. Now, example, you know, I was just talking about that Mercedes-Benz. I probably would buy one, but I might be persuaded just to buy, well, I'd probably need to be persuaded not to buy a Pagoda 280SL because I love it. Mm. Um, and actually, my expectation with that is it, it, it probably won't go up, but I just feel like it's probably not going to go down very much. Mm. So actually, my the pendulum has, has shifted a lot to me for me to getting things that, you know, putting some money into things that don't really depreciate yeah. um, rather than don't go up that much because, you know, I've got other income streams that are set up. So it's so individual, yeah. you know, to, to where you are in, in your thing. But I know you love watches and it's made you, you know, your knowledge, you know more than anyone I know about uh, watches and specifically investment watches. And I'd say 80% of that is because you love those watches, yeah. which I guess you're, uh, you're about to explain. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I'll, I'll come to that in a minute, but I want to just explore these points a bit more um, because I always used to think investing was about getting the best return. And sometimes it is, but it's also sometimes about protecting your capital, isn't it? Mm. So if you could, for example, do you know we bought that 430 Ferrari, Ferrari yeah. 430 Spider? All that stuff. Yeah. Uh, not not the best investment, but well, but capital wise, we didn't lose much money, and you still wouldn't. And and uh, no, no. And, I mean, and, I think that cost. Uh, I think we bought it for sixty seven and a half, sold it for sixty five. Yeah, like that. I, th I think we maybe we lost about ten eight eight grand on it, something like that. Maybe sixty eight we gave, and we sold it for about sixty, uh, which I thought was brilliant. He was an absolute nail. Um, I mean, yeah, we was, picked the highest mileage Ferrari, yeah, ever, yeah. didn't we? Well, I and was drove using, it every day. <laughs> I was using my old mentality, basically, yeah. get the cheapest damn one. And it's not not always a bad way to be. Um, but I mean, even but, if it, I mean, I, I remember it being a bit less than eight grand, but let's say it was eight grand. And let's say the maintenance was, I don't know, five grand a year. It was probably a bit less for us because we did it on the cheap. 
But that's a cheap Ferrari, isn't it? Well, it was for a 430 Spyder. Yeah. yeah. That is cheap ownership. Um, I, I mean, that, the, it, I think even cheaper ownership was the car we got after that. I still, 458. the 458, because, yeah. all right, it was a time when, you know, sort of. We got lucky with the timing. The timing, yeah, they, they really seemed to firm for longer. But, you know, if we'd kept that car, we still wouldn't really have lost much more money. Mm. Um, I think we gave 167 for that. I think we sold it for high, almost 150. Mm. Uh, and we kept it something like three years. Um, the servicing was practically free yeah. because it was under a seven-year service plan and it was all under warranty. Mm. Um, which, I, is, which is good when you and I own cars. <laughs> well, the, whole, the, thing, the thing ended up costing, I don't know, 10, 15 grand, some interest, you know, on uh, some, some, some finance which was offset. Mm. Uh, fuel and insurance. Yeah. Uh, apart from sort of one interlude. <laughs> but other than that, <laughs> yeah, you can research the world's most expensive crashes website and you can find our Ferrari on there. Sorry about that, Mark. Um, but yeah, so obviously if you've got 10 grand and you're unemotional and you want a hardcore return, then obviously we've given you some tips and we'll give you more because we're going to do at least half an hour on this live. But sometimes it's good to just preserve the capital. So I'm going to give you another example here and I'm not recommending this as an investment, but I love hi-fi. I love um, like high-end audio. And what I try and do, and again, I learned this from you back in the day, um, probably 15 years ago, is I'll, I'll buy a pair of speakers, but I'll wait till they're at the lowish point of their um, depreciation curve. And that can be three, five years old, but they're still the latest model. So you get the latest model. So I bought a pair of PMC Fact 12 speakers and I paid seven grand for those and they were 10 new. And then they went up to 12 and I sold them for eight. So I basically got paid a thousand pounds to have a really nice pair of speakers. For, They're free then. For, exactly. They? I had yeah. a free pair of speakers. Yeah. My record player, I, it was the, like 25 grand record player that I paid, what, eight grand for, got my money back on it. So I had a free record player. So I, I know that you like to preserve capital at all costs, don't mm. you? So do you have that mentality with clothes, maybe buying them in the sale? And you try and buy most things when the depreciation, someone else has lost the depreciation. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, clothes, you know, Gemma just gets those for me because I'm I'm terrible at buying clothes anyway. And if I'm buying clothes, you know, a pair of jeans is 30 quid or 20 quid, <laughs> do you know what I mean? So it's better she just buys them and I don't then get caught too caught up about the price. And it's probably not a good use of my time. Um so I stay away from all that and they won't look good anyway if I'm involved. Um, so, 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 so I'll, I'll sort of put my mind to buying everything else. So I'm buying a watch. I'll only really buy something that you, you tell me, um, should, you know, not depreciate or go up. I just expect it's not going to depreciate. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so those Nautiluses went wild, didn't they? Yeah. <laughs> Even worse so, now, yeah, we yeah. sold them. But, but yeah. best, best not discussed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, if any of your mates are watching, they'll uh, be gloating, won't they? God. <laughs> I think I gave, what did I, I gave 15 and a half one you found for me. It was a Patek uh, 5711 Nautilus um, and... Um, I sold it at 19 and a half because I thought it had gone up a lot and then now 55,000. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, the chronograph one I had is now yeah. 90,000 and I sold that for 36. Yeah. But hey, look, wise, always two, three year old plus or contract high where the depreciation is sort of dealt with in the, in the monthly cost. Um, 
everything that I, you know, house, um, you know, we, we bought sort of something that needed refurbing. And obviously, you know, the money we then spend on Gemma wanting X flooring or X wallpaper or X paint on the walls or this new kitchen, it, all it's doing is putting, adding value to the property rather than sort of taking something good out and, and putting it back again. Mm. Um, I, everything I do would be like that, really. Yeah. Um, you know, I even buy Macs now, which have a good residual value. I'd probably spend a bit more on them. Um, I used to think, get a PC, it's 500 quid, I can have three PCs for the price of a Mac. Um, but I find I probably use a Mac for five or six years, and at the end, it's probably still worth maybe a quarter, a third of its value. Yeah. Uh, whereas the PC, I find you're formatting it after a year, 18 months, and it's not really working anymore. Mm. Um, yeah, e e everything that, um, you know, I'll, I'll look at or I'll sort of introduce into my life, I try and buy non-depreciative yeah. stuff. Yeah. Or at the bottom of the but, depreciation yeah. curve. P Porsches. I, yeah. I just, the 911 and the Boxster, um, I think it's partly because of how they control the supply. Um, but I think also, and someone said this to me the other day, and it makes absolute sense. They never, they never look that, they're timeless. Yeah. So they never look that they old. They never go out of date. No, yeah. I've got, outside I've got a seven-year-old 911. And it sits on the drive. And Gemma often looks at it and she goes, that just looks like a new car. Yeah. And I think that really protects, yeah. you know, when you've, when you've got sort of the newer thing and it, it looks a lot, lot newer and you're making yours look a lot older. That that drives depreciation yeah. more than anything, I think. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, I like them for a load of other reasons, but they just they work. Yeah. For so many angles for me, which I love. I love all that. Mm. Yeah. All right, great. So um, we've been doing some research now. Remember, do your own diligence. So when it comes to specific mentions of things, do your own diligence. But um, there's quite a lot of cars sub ten grand. So you you called out the E46 M3. Porsche 924 at five to 10 grand. Um, it, it, what, this is interesting. So Peugeot 205 GTI. Remember the um, Renault 5 turbos, all cars like yeah. that. A lot of them seem to have. They're big money. Yeah, yeah. gone up. You've got the um, the E34 M5. Yeah, um, I remember that. Yeah, did you have that one? No, I didn't. Um, but... Um, yeah, straight six, if I remember rightly. Yeah. And that BMW straight six is just awesome. Sounds good, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. non-turbocharged. Yeah. Brilliant. We've got Volkswagen Golf and Mac 1 GTI is about 10 grand. Ford Capri 2.8i special, 10 grand. Now, obviously, you don't know what's going to happen to these in the future, but what do you, when you look at investments, Mark, do you um, track the prices over time to see some kind of trajectory or history? Yeah. So with cars, you can have a look. Um, there's a few sort of um, websites that you could use. There are always like auction sales going through yeah. uh, for cars. Uh, I'll just have a quick look on my phone um, for the name of it. I often use this sort of aggregator. Uh, it's called... I'll just get it up. Uh, Glenmarch.com. You can see all oh, of the... It's got the F40. That'll yeah. be the one I'll be trying to get you to buy next. <laughs> <laughs> the F40. So, so it searches all the auction houses for, for stuff that's sold of, of the car type that you're interested in. Uh, and the other thing I use quite a lot is 
Haggerty valuation tool um, that shows you on a graph where the value has gone for the last few years. Yeah. And I quite like how many left as well, which shows yeah. you how many of that car model there is in existence, right. which I think drives its value as well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great. So if you want something a bit more simple, like Mark said, put, um, you can put your money into your ISA each year. We use Hargreaves Lansdowne. Is Vanguard, does that do the same thing? Vanguard does the same thing. Where um, you can essentially invest yourself without an IFA. Yeah. yeah. Um, they're the two that I would use. I, I don't, I, I mean, there are others and I, I think the cheapest is probably Vanguard. Um, but, you know, I've used both of those platforms. I use them. I think they're really good. Um, I just choose tracker portfolios. The, the, the whole sort of argument for active managers is probably not so strong anymore. If you just want trackers, Vanguard's probably the easiest, actually, because yeah. it's got them all laid out in a really simple way. Okay. Watches then. So I said when we did the Series 1, how to invest five grand, you should probably wait till you get a Rolex Daytona. And actually, I got quite a lot of comments from people. One guy saying you should never advise anyone to invest 20 grand into one watch. And I did mention things like Swatch Jellyfish. And um, I, I probably gave you other other couple of um, watches under five grand. The problem is you look at a watch, you think, oh, that's under five grand. I'll get it. Let's say it's four grand. But in a year, it's worth two. So I'd rather you wait, build up the capital and get a 15 or a 20 grand watch that in 10 years is 30 grand or hasn't gone down than just buying one cheaper just to get in, but it go halved in value. So Straight after that um, live we did last week, how to invest five grand, someone messaged me saying, oh, should I invest in Tudor watches? Because Tudor are made by Rolex. But I've never seen any of the Tudors go up. 99.9% .9 of them go down. Sometimes, occasionally, people will cite me a particular model that might have done well. That would be a very rare exclusive. So fundamentals when it comes to watches, which is probably similar to cars and other classes like this, is rarity. So I'm wearing here an Audemars Piguet Biblos, uh, and they made 50 of these. So out of all the Royal Oak Offshores, this one is either done the best or one of the best, unless it's like a really old one, or it's just held firm when things aren't good because of the limited run. So in any watch manufacturer that's probably well known, if you got if they made 50 or 100 or 200, it's, I mean, if it's a big volume producer like Rolex or Amiga, you know, you might get away with a thousand run. But um, try and go for the really limited edition models. Because um, at least then you may not make, but you'll lose the least amount. But I got someone to do some research for me just because I thought this would be interesting because I didn't think I'd agree with it. So someone's done some research for me and put Hublot Classic Fusion Black Magic Chronograph. Now, that is a watch you can get for under 10 grand, in my opinion, will be worth half within a year. So don't go anywhere near Hublot um, just because I haven't ever seen any of them go up. Um, I'd probably stick to Rolex on anything sub 15, 20 grand. Um, now, you can get a sports Rolex um, around about 10, 15 grand. You can get these GMTs. They have the Pepsi, the Batman. And a lot of people are telling me, oh, Pepsi's, Batman's, all of these, they're going up like crazy. Yeah, but they don't normally go up. So whilst they're strong now because um, production of Rolex is probably less than supply, uh, sorry, less than um, demand, because obviously Rolex is a massive brand. Um, they've been banging their prices up to keep up, I think, looking at it from the outside with the Royal Oak from Audemars Piguet, et cetera. Um, but the only Rolex that's not a limited edition, 
or a special run, the only Rolex I've seen consistently do well over time, unless it's really old, really old, like some of the really old Explorer ones uh, worth really good money, um, is the, the Rolex Daytona. So I'd probably say wait and get yourself a Rolex Daytona. Get what I like the, um, I forget the model number because it's a six, it's one, one, six, something, something, something. It's like I six digits. It, it's the steel um, one. But yeah, the steel one. I, I like kind of 2005 age, around about that age, because they they don't look the same as the ceramic ceramic bezel now. Um, but if you put 2005 Rolex Daytona, I think it's 116550, but I'd, I'd have to check, check out the model number. You can private message me if you're looking to buy a Daytona and I'll, I'll um, one six five two oh um is yeah one one six five two oh one one six five two oh that's the um that's the APH so that's um got us the thing with Rolex that happens a lot is they'll make these runs and then there'll be a little error in the printing you know or like so there's an APH which has got a slight gap between um, on the chronograph near the APH. Um, so when you get these little quirks, like um, usually um, all the, le the lettering is white and you've got double red where there's um, the lettering is in red for the sea dweller instead of white. So these little, quir these little quirks and isms and these models or faces that are rare, um, that, you know, or they were not necessarily rare at the time, but they become rare later because they didn't make that much of a production of them. They can generally do quite well. Did you did you have the Kermit? The yeah. green bezel. Yeah. yeah. So the green bezel, I, I I bought I bought more than one of those. I bought quite a few of those and, and got Mark to get one. Um and uh that was the 40th anniversary of the submariner, I think. It, it, it was an anniversary anyway. Um so they made it in a green bezel. And back then that was quite a rarity to get that kind of colour in a bezel, of course. The Hulk's all green now. Um and when I, I thought an anniversary Rolex, they're probably not going to continue to make them. So I started buying them three, two fifty, three five, three seven fifty, four grand, five grand. Uh, and I um, you can get twelve, fifteen plus now for an early model one. So anniversaries, limited editions, um, or smaller runs if they're in the sports. Uh, so fiftieth anniversary, Matt has said for the for the Kermit. Um, but, but I don't know if it was, um, back then it was 40th anyway, 40th, 50th. So, um, that's what I'd probably do with watches. I'd probably wait for the Daytona or get in on one of the sports ones, but try and get an anniversary or a, a watch that they don't make anymore. Right. So let's talk now about property and business, and then we'll do a bit of a quick Q and A. Um, I'm eager. I'd stay away from their mass producer, uh, unless you get a really low limited run or a really old one. Um, so 10 grand, um, would you put that into growing a, a business like a training business like we have? Would you put that into build a property deal packaging business? Um, would you try and get on the property ladder with that? What might you do with that? I would put it into a business. Um, if, you've, if you've got the time and the inclination, a business which you really love and therefore you're going to be really good at. So if that means you love going out and doing deals and buying property, I'd do that if it means you want to go out and sort of um, um, hire staff 
um, you know, and, and 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 sort of start a training company. I would do Got that. Some marketing money there. Yeah, I I I think first and foremost, if you're going to put your time in and you're going to build a business, you're going to multiply that if you're successful up many many times more than any of these investments and make a lot more income from it. As long as you put your blood, sweat, and tears into it, you're totally committed. You're passionate and you enjoy it. Yeah, of course, that's going to be the the, the highest. I mean, we started this business on. How much? 300, 300 quid each. Yeah. So and I put it on a credit card because back then I didn't even have the cash. Because um, actually we started a deal packaging business before the training business, didn't we? We did. Well, yeah. it was a it was a hands-free portfolio business mm. uh, where we sourced properties, refurbished them, remortgaged them, and we did over 500 of them. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Re refurbished individually over 500 properties and then sourced them cheap, refurbished them, and then remortgaged them all. Yeah. And it was a tough business. Yeah. yeah. But it, it got us going. It and got us going, and we, we, we manage really. a lot of those properties today. Mm. Yeah. For those so, so ten grand doesn't sound like a lot, but actually, to start a business, it's not too bad because you don't. I mean, I wouldn't recommend going and getting an office. We we started from my house, didn't we? Um, Your front room, Rob. Yeah, and we uh, we got a couple of secondhand computers. Yeah. We got a bit of IKEA furniture. We put three hundred quid in a bank. So we probably started progressive property on a grand. Mm. 300 quid yeah each yeah. yeah yeah and then and then we went to ikea remember and we got the furniture yeah 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 and the computers yeah but the, the point is it's not a lot of money to start a business everyone thinks oh you need money to make money or there's no such thing as no money down or all this kind of stuff but in reality thousand quid and even if you haven't got that you can put it on a credit card and do you remember i started running our google ads campaigns yes sitting on the com computer geeking out and what i'd do is i'd spend 10 pound a day yeah. And then I'd get an ad working and then basically could spend £20 a day. And then when we get leads and convert them, we can put money back in and £50 a day. And now we spend, you might want to shut your ears here, Mark, you might not like this one. We spend very regularly a quarter of a million pounds a month on marketing on all of our ad campaigns. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm with Mark in that I'd set the business up that you're passionate about. You could definitely set up a property deal sourcing business. You could probably get your hands on two to four rent to rents depending or, or service to accommodation rent to service to accommodation properties depending on your area and how much it's going to cost you to dress them and you know all the um all the things that you need to set up that business and stock um because you need linen and, and bedding and all that kind of stuff um we've had a question here from victoria and that is to start on the property journey would you recommend using equity from your home it can be a very good way to start, uh, dependent on sort of, you know, what you're going to put the money into. Is it going to generate a good return? What your experience level is, how much other cash you've got, um, what loan to value your property is at the moment. Um, if you're going to go out, out and buy something that's been really well researched, uh, you're getting it for the right price. The rental yield is really good and it's definitely lettable to good tenants, uh, good private tenants. Then. Um, you know, why not use money from your um, own home? Um, because it's incredibly cheap. You're probably paying one and a half, two percent on it, you know. Um, not that I have a big mortgage because I don't have a big mortgage. Um, but uh, about what, two years ago, I was paying down quite big lumps on my mortgage. I just thought I'd get my mortgage paid off in two or three years, job done. And you kind of told me off about why are you paying your mortgage down? Um, and why back then? Did you think my capital could be used better than paying my mortgage down? Well, 
I just think when you're borrowing at one and a half to two percent, and there's you know on your own home, and there's you know you you still want to invest your cash and put your cash into I don't know buildings, um, you know, or, or other investments, you can very easily get a much higher return than one mm. to one and a half two percent. Yeah, uh, which is obviously what you've you've gone off and done. Mm. Uh, and most people don't know this about my story as well, but. Um, I actually only owned one property when I met Mark and we started Progressive Property. Um, but I actually uh, remortgaged that and that helped me pay down some of my debt and have a bit of capital to get started. So as long as you do something wise with the money that you um, remortgage and you remember if you go on interest only that one day you will actually have to pay that back because you're not paying it down because it's interest only. As long as you remember those two things, then it can be very smart and it can get you much can get you much further ahead more quickly on your property investment journey. Um, right. So we've had a comment here from I think this is Gerardo. Um, forgive me if I pronounced that wrong. Let's have a look here. Um, I think it's Gerardo. Leverage and inflation are the tools that make property such a good investment. That's very true. Now, we haven't talked too much about property specifically in this episode. Because next week, next Monday, 7 p.m., put it in your diary. And remember, it's exclusively on the Progressive Property YouTube channel, which is tiny.cc forward slash PPTV, all in capitals. Harry, can you put that up on the screen? Um, put it, comment it, but put it on the screen as well. Tiny.cc forward slash PPTV if you're watching from somewhere else. Um, but with 25 grand, you're probably nearly at deposit territory there. And you're probably nearly at actually being able to put some hardcore capital into hardcore property, which is one of our favorite subjects. So I agree, leverage and inflation are the tools that make property such a good investment, which is you don't get really um, the power of that in um, other investment classes. So we'll probably start dealing with that as uh, episode three and onwards. All right, so if you've got any other questions, um, keep them firing in uh, and we'll happily answer them all. So Jane here has said, I've just been made redundant due to COVID-19 as a creative services specialist currently freelancing. But since 2006, I've renovated eight properties. I have savings, but how can I invest in property without a permanent salary? I think you would probably want to find somebody who has got a permanent salary uh, and maybe be investing with them in the meantime until you have got a permanent salary or an income from a business or something like that that will keep the banks happy. Um, so... Yeah, I, 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 I think you're probably coming into a really good time where there's going to be deals um, and you want to keep it rolling, but you probably just need somebody um, who the banks are happy with uh, if you can't get a mortgage on your own at the moment. Um, we have a um, Facebook group, a big one, Progressive Property Community with 33,000 members in, and we have some Progressive approved brokers in there. So that if you just search Progressive Property Community on Facebook and join that, um, it's always wise to get a second or third opinion from a second or third broker. Um, not all brokers are whole of market, even though they may say they are. And um, I mean, I know a mortgage broker uh, called Gary Das, and he says it's like they're changing their terms every week. It's very, it's a very changing market at the moment. So it's always wise to get a second or third opinion. I mean, Obviously, they're not doing self-cert now, but they've, they've done self-cert before, haven't they? Back yeah, and um, Boris says he's going to be reducing uh, uh, or increasing loan-to-values for, 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 for certain purchases. Boris, come um, on. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, probably not for investors. Look, it, it's changing a lot, but I think if you 
when, went to enough brokers and went to enough banks, you may also find that you can just carry on on your own. Um, we had to. We've had to do it various times. Um, I've just lost my relationship manager at the bank that we use. I haven't met the new one yet. Don't know what's going to happen there. Uh, I remember when we went through the last credit crunch and they all said to us that we got too many buy-to-let mortgages and they didn't want to lend to us anymore. So I had to go and find commercial borrowing. You can always find stuff. It's just how hard you look. Thanks, Mark. So uh, Lucas has asked, where would you start today with 70 to 80 grand? Well, next week, so every Monday, 7 p.m., we're doing this as a series. Next week is 25 grand, how to invest 25 grand. The week after, how to invest 50 grand. The week after that, how to invest 100 grand. So Lucas looks like um, episode four and five are going to be good for you because that sits right in the middle. This is a good question from Ross. If you could put this one up, Harry, Ross Hill. What defines the line, Mark, between investing and gambling? Um, I think uh, when you're investing, you are doing so with a sort of predictable outcome. Uh, I think anybody that invests with uh, the expectation or the need to have immediate capital growth is gambling on that. Um, I think over the medium to long term, say five, 10 years plus, you would be um, sort of you, you would be right to expect that you'll get some good capital growth. Uh, but to say that it's going to happen in any sort of year or two or three year time frame um, would be, uh, quite frankly, um, naive. Um, however, when you're investing in a house, it's quite easy to predict the income that that will generate. Um, and I think that is investing, um, you know, going out and, and, you know, buying certain assets. I don't know. I suppose any capital asset and gambling on um, its um, capital growth over a short period of time um, will be gambling. Um, but, you know, anything that's got good proven history over the long term it is not. Um, I so, think there are a lot of traders that think they're investors, but yeah. I look at them and I think really you're a gambler. Traders on the on the stock exchange, yeah, yeah. and forex, yeah. yeah, I think for sure, yeah, I think a lot of that is going to be doing that yeah. for a very long time to know what you're doing, or, you? or be some, you know, w w one of the few people, you know, that, that usually emanate from the city of London, often with a maths or physics degree, mm. who've learned to trade at a big bank, you know, yeah. those guys can do it, and most other people can't, yeah. Okay, great. So Victoria, uh, Victoria Ray has asked, how would you invest £10,000 for a 15-year-old? If you want to put that up on the screen, Harry. So we got a question like this last week, but it was for five grand. So I think the most important thing is, um, what would this 15-year-old really enjoy doing? Um, there's a, a little lad called Ryan who has Ryan Toys Review on YouTube, which has, I think it did something like $24 million last year. And he sort of unboxes toys and um, you can, you know, you can imagine him absolutely loving that. Um, and I've got to tell you this, Mark, I was going to WhatsApp you this, it's random. It's just completely random, sorry. But um, my wife said to me today that Bobby is being a bit naughty with his homework because what he's doing is he's phoning up his best mate Pranav, he's getting him on FaceTime, and he's saying to his mummy that he's doing the homework, but he's just getting Pranav to give him all the answers. Mm. And I actually thought that 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 behaviour should be rewarded. Yeah. I mean, he, that's, that is smart. That is leveraged. He's, it's not going to be good for school, but surely that's going to be good for life. It could be. <laughs> Although it's it's maybe, you know, sort of taking the easy option. Yeah, it? well, that's, and of course. Could be yeah. construed as cheating. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, right. So 10 year, uh, 15 year old, 10,000 um, pounds. E-commerce, I think anything online. I mean, a 15 year old doesn't remember the days of dial up or pre-internet. I think most 15 year olds can use the internet better than most 40 year olds. So anything e-commerce or online based right now, e-commerce is huge, probably one of the biggest injur uh, injuries um, industries. Um, I think also maybe social media. Um, now, of course, 15 year old, you're probably just about at the right age where you can completely manage your own account without your parents and all that kind of stuff. Um, but hey, look, there's a lot of um, big teenage influencers on TikTok, for example, who are probably making a load of money out of sponsorships and endorsements and collaborations. Um, but ultimately, um, what that child or that teenager would love to do the most. Um, you're, you've started, have you started a, a junior ISA for Freddie? I have. I did it um, shortly after he was born. I put about 4,000 into a junior ISA uh, and he can't get it out till he's 18. Uh, unfortunately, I think it just cracks open and he gets the money immediately, <laughs> which I don't think in hindsight is a very good idea. My friend's done uh, a pension, a SIP for his very young children, and I don't think they can crack that out until they're 55, uh, which I thought was quite clever. Yeah. Um, I think, Victoria, um, if I, you know, when my son gets to 15, um, I will probably start, well, earlier than that, I'll be trying to get him into property. Um, but when he gets to sort of, I don't know, a little bit older than that, I'll try and get a house. Maybe it will have to go in my name. He, he, he could maybe, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll work it out so that he sort of really owns it, has a beneficial interest, deed of trust or, or something like that. Um, and, um, yeah, he can, um, he can, he can take that. I'll probably put the deposit in and then I'm going to get him to rent the rooms to other people. Um, he can take the, the income from renting the rooms to tenants. He can manage them. Uh, he needs to pay the mortgage. It's going to teach him loads. And then the, the, the cash flow he'll get to keep. Um, I think that's a really, really good way to get them started in, in property and, uh, would be very, very profitable. Um, you know, because obviously they get all the capital growth as well. So I think that 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 offers a lot and is mm. quite tax efficient when they're 18 as well, because obviously they get all the personal allowances. And importantly, the, the business and life lessons he's going to get renting out a house. Yeah. Massive. Um, huge. Okay, so um whiskey and wine. That's probably in the 10 grand bracket, isn't it? Yeah, I think I know I mean, nothing about either of those, by the way. Yeah, I know nothing about whiskey. I know a little bit about wine. Um, that you could go on fine and rare, or there's um, I think it's LiveX, where all the, the the values of say I don't know Left Bank, Bordeaux, and you know all those sort of really good um, uh, vineyards. Um, you know, you, you can see how the value has moved over time. Um, I you know I, I think a lot of the entrepreneur stuff is sort of um, you know, fully priced initially. Um, so you, some of it goes up, some of it doesn't, but you need to be careful about storage. Uh, you need the right sort of refrigeration. If that goes wrong, the, the wine can go bad. So, um, you know, I, I tried a little bit of it, but I, I'm sort of put off by that. The storage really puts me off. Mm. Okay, so Ross has asked this, would you hold off investing until the market turns around early 2021? Um, and if not, what strategy have you, have you seen that have been doing well um, during the current circumstances? OK, so there's a few assumptions here. So number one, the assumption is that the market will turn early 2021. We don't know that for sure. 
Um, I wouldn't hold off anything. Like, let's say you're in property and you predict, you believe that the market will turn early next year. Well, we're already in October. And by the time you get out and visit agents and get yourself seen and known, it's going to be December and then they're, they're going to shut for two weeks or whatever. So actually, if you want to be ready to be um, a go-to person for either buying an asset fairly cheap, whatever it's going to be, or getting a property, you probably need that relationship with the vendor um, or the estate agent. So I'd actually start looking now. Uh, I mean, Mark, you never really stop doing research, do you? No, I, I would find times like when the, when the market's going to go quiet and going to be falling, uh, I would I would use that to learn new strategies and, and start getting ready to buy distressed assets. Um, that's that's you know what, what I would be doing. I'd be out there meeting agents, growing the relationship. Um, it's going to take you more than two or three months to get a load of good agents on the go. Um, so you need to be sort of ready with that and growing that. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd definitely get on that wagon now. Great. So I think we've covered most of it. And we normally want to do about 30 minutes in these sessions, and this is 45 minutes. So what we're going to do is tune in same time next week, Monday, 7 p.m., and we're going to do how to invest £25,000. So we're upping the ante here, so there's going to be more options open to you. We're going to be able to talk a little bit more about property. 